Hey, this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Well, welcome back, friends. Today, we're starting a new series on commonly misunderstood numbers. And the truth is, all numbers can be misunderstood, especially when there's so many stereotypes out there. But we've chosen three groups to focus on for this series, and we're going to do it over the next couple weeks. Today, we're going to talk with type sixes. And we're going to use our team because we've got several type sixes on our team. We've got Lydia, Robert, and Abby. There's often some confusion around the phobic and counterphobic six, which we'll talk about in the podcast. So it's really insightful to actually hear from the type sixes themselves and what's actually happening inside them and also in their minds. Of course, we know Jeff is a counterphobic six as well. And for me, being a type nine, I get to kind of step back and give some perspective of what the type six is so that everyone can be on the same playing field. Well, next week, we're going to talk with a group of female eights, and we'll wind up this series with a conversation with male type twos. We're looking forward to sharing those conversations with you. So for now, let's dive in with our phobic and counterphobic type six friends. All right. Well, here we are with a team of sixes, literally a team of sixes. That's right. Beth and I are actually surrounded by sixes, and which just makes our life better, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine. The world is run by sixes. I think well, other my, teachers have said you that. You are a six. Yes. Our son is a six. My yes. mom is a six. Yes. And my closest friend is a six. And now we have three other team members here that are on our team, and they're sixes. That's right. So why don't we uh, introduce our team? Um, so... Uh, we have Robert Lewis. Uh, Robert, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, what you do for your Enneagram coach. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So my name is Robert. I am a type six. I'm a counterphobic type six, that, which I think we'll, uh, we'll get to a little bit later. Uh, I serve as a um, sort of strategic business advisor for uh, your Enneagram coach. Been with Jeff and Beth uh, as a friend of the family for many years and joined the team a couple of years ago to help out with some uh, e-commerce and big picture strategy. So uh, Robert and his wife uh, created Dear Mushka. And if you're looking for some fantastic Christian minimalist jewelry, uh, it is an excellent place. Guys, go there, do it, buy it. Uh, Your wife will appreciate it. Wives, tell your husbands about it because it's a quick win for them. Yes, it is. There you go, Robert. That's for free. That's for my friend. (laughs) Appreciate it. (laughs) One six has got another sixes back. (laughs) Now, what's interesting, we also have another team member with us, uh, Lydia Craig. Now, Lydia and her husband hosted the first small group we were at where we presented uh, the Enneagram called and the presentation called Discovering You for the first time. So, Lydia, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Lydia, and that's definitely a special memory, um, having you guys present the Enneagram for the first time. Fox was just a little baby. <laughs> um, so I'm a phobic six, and I, I do content writing. So mm-hmm. I work with all the writing projects and also on the podcast as well. Yep. Awesome. Lydia is my right-hand girl. She, she is, is amazing. Such a gift. Yes, she's amazing. I mean, if you wonder how it is that we put out so much content, I mean, it, it's... I brain it, dump, and then she cleans it all up and makes it way better. Right. And I'm like, oh, so, man, it's awesome. 
Such a gift. Such yeah. a gift. And then our, our new one of our newest members uh, to the team is Abby. Uh, Abby, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for the team. Sure. I'm Abby, and I am. I kind of bounce back and forth between the phobic and counterphobic six, um, but I am definitely a hardcore six. I work with customer experience, so uh, if you email us or write to us on um, social media, I'm probably the person that you're interacting with the most. Um, I also work with uh, our marketing team. I assist in a little bit of copy here and there and just helping however I can. Yeah, boy, she is like the backstop. Like. She sure. she catches everything that comes her way, and I just I don't even know where we'd be. Well, I mean, as everyone could imagine, I mean, we we get a lot of correspondence as mm-hmm. people are finding insights or questions about the Enneagram, and uh, to have someone like Abby on the team to help field these questions and uh, take care of our customers who've bought our courses, uh, it really is a, a a real gift. So, super thankful to have you on the team, Abby. Yeah. Well, part of the reason why we're addressing this episode is that uh, over time and with close to a couple million people taking our assessment, and um, but we there's often sometimes some confusion regarding sixes, um, and particularly uh, being phobic or counterphobic. And so, Beth, why don't you talk some about sixes for mm-hmm. a bit, and then we'll just kind of interject stories and experiences to help people understand the world of a six. Yeah. Well, the sixes are the most complicated on the Enneagram and then maybe fours, but sophisticated, not complicated, (laughs) sophisticated. We'll see. (laughs) Anyway, are the most complex. Um, yeah. So sixes, you know, they're very faithful, courageous, loyal, dutiful, and committed. And actually they really are the most courageous on the Enneagram. And a lot of sixes are going to be there going, what? I don't feel courageous. I feel scared or I feel anxious. Well, yeah, but think about the fact that every day sixes wake up with different fears and anxieties because their inner committee is constantly telling them what could possibly go wrong. They're facing them every single day. You know, other people might say, oh, but eights are the most courageous. I'm like, no, because they don't necessarily have the same kind of level of fear and they don't have to push into it. It, That's what being courageous is all about. Um, So sixes are really the most courageous on the Enneagram and I have a ton of respect. But for them, they do have this internal committee that is constantly chiming in with what could happen and especially worst case scenario. And it's chiming in from all different directions. So it's not just, well, this could happen. It's, well, this could happen and that could happen. And what about this? What about that? And all of these different thoughts come in, which creates self-doubt. And so they don't trust themselves. They look outside themselves for advice, guidance from those they trust. And that's a big thing. So it's a belief system or mentor or teacher, someone that they trust. And it takes time to establish that trust. Um, And for sixes, their core fears, fear itself, being without support, security, and guidance, being blamed, targeted alone, or physically abandoned. But what they're desiring, their core desire, is security, guidance, and support. Now, so their struggle, their their core weakness is that anxiety I was talking about. This, and every type can be anxious. Don't, just if you have anxiety out there and you're listening, that doesn't mean, oh, I must be a six. All nine types have anxiety. What it means here in the Enneagram is that the sixes naturally are scanning the horizon to try to predict and prevent negative outcomes, especially, like I was saying, the worst case scenarios. So their mind is constantly just in the state of apprehension and worry of what could happen so they can deal with it right now in the moment. 
Now, what they long to hear, their core longing, is you are safe and secure. So I'd like to ask uh, our little panel here uh, about the core longing. Uh, would any of you like to share about how your core longing that to be safe and secure, how that presents in your life? Yeah, I'll get started. Uh, so this is Robert. I think, you know, one of the beauties of the Enneagram, obviously, is that it gives uh, language and, and purpose and explanation to patterns that you've been experiencing your entire life. And so as a, you know, as an adolescent, I guess, you know, in high school, I constantly found myself trying to figure out where I fit in, like trying to find that friend group or trying to find that coach or trying to find that Sunday school teacher that I could attach myself to. And, and I found that even, even when the, the attachment wasn't necessarily reciprocated, if I, if in my mind I said, oh, here's this connection, then I felt secure and I felt established but man, anything that would seemingly jeopardize that or give me evidence to the contrary of, hey, that person actually doesn't have your back. That person actually doesn't support you would send me into this massive tailspin internally and, and just kick up that cycle of, of self-doubt and overanalyzing. What did I do? What did that mean? Could I, how could I have done that differently? What were they really trying to say? What, what, what did I miss? How did I get that wrong? Uh, and so then to find that, that there is, you know, the beauty of your Enneagram coach and pointing me to the gospel and saying there, there is, someone worthy of that level of attachment. And there is someone worthy of me giving that level of trust and security to it's in the person and work of Jesus Christ. But as long as I keep trying to find it in a friend or a boss or my spouse or anyone else, it will always fail me. Um, so to, to have that be named and now it makes sense, but also to point me in a better direction, I don't feel uh, hopeless in those best moments. Well, one of the things that we wanted to highlight on this is that uh, unlike some of the other numbers, there's two types of um, type sixes. There's phobic and counterphobic type sixes. So why don't you spend some time talking about that? Yeah, it's really more of a spectrum. So if you kind of see a line, you know, you can fall anywhere in that spectrum. And like Abby was saying, kind of vacillate between. So it's not like you're just counterphobic and you never experience the phobic side or vice versa. And some people kind of land in the middle. Our son would be actually, it would have been fun to have him on this because he kind of lands more in the middle. But the phobic sixes are the types of sixes, like, like we talked about, all sixes experience that inner committee that stirs up uh, self-doubt and anxiety worry, apprehension. So all sixes have that going on. It's how do they then deal with it? What, what do they do with that? So the phobic sixes succumb to their anxieties and fears and worries, and you can kind of see it. They're a little bit more anxious. They're, um, they're more caution. They might complain more. They might be outwardly more uh, pessimistic, but they're also going to be very warm and chi uh, charming, likable. They might be more submissive and obedient because they're wanting to make sure that they have that safety and security. They don't want to go against. Um, now, the counterphobic sixes, on the other hand, they also have that same worry and anxiety that's going on, but they're going to move right into it. They're going to look much more like an eight. So they're going to be a little bit more edgy, straightforward, honest, outspoken, maybe even aggressive. Uh, they're going to deal with problems head on. They're going to look very very, very tough. And again, like I said, there's anywhere in between. So the, the middle of the sixes are the types that probably follow the rules, but at times can kind of push back a little here and there. 
So again, that's why sixes, it can be hard for sixes to land on being a six, because what you'll hear most of the time is when you're asking a six different questions, like, well, do you experience this or that? They'll say, well, it depends. That's the big thing that sixes say all the time. Well, it depends. And so if you're out there and you don't can't find your type, but you keep saying, well, it depends, check out six and sit in it for a while. Doesn't mean you are a six, but just sit in it for a while and kind of see. So phobic sixes, my mom is a phobic six and, you know, you can kind of see that her anxiety and fear that she's experiencing inwardly, you can see it more outwardly. Um, she's also very warm, very kind and wanting to almost, almost very nine-ish, like wanting to make sure everything is okay, but it's really from this safety security stance. Whereas for you, Jeff, I remember when we were first doing work with the Enneagram and I was like, I think you're a six. And, and like my mom, and you were like, I am nothing like your mom. There's no way I can right. be a six. Therefore, I'm an eight. That's You kind of landed on eight for a while until you really started to realize what was truly going on underneath. That's right. Well, hey, Lydia, why don't we start with you and tell us about uh, what it's like being a more phobic six. Yeah. So when I found out that I was the only one who was phobic, I, of course, started to doubt myself because that's what sixes do, right? And I was like, no, maybe I'm counterphobic. <laughs> Everybody else is counterphobic. Um, I do have friends who are more phobic than me, and um, I can mm-hmm. see that, And but I know that I'm not counterphobic. So yes, I would agree that I'm more phobic. Um, I would say that, especially when I'm face-to-face with someone, I'm very submissive and warm and, and careful, but more from a distance. Um, for example, like if I'm online, I can I can feel more of a counterphobic you know, tendency. Yes. So it kind of depends on the situation, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely submissive. I'm definitely, I, I use warmth as a protection mode because you're not going to want to hurt someone who's warm and friendly. Right. Um, so I definitely relate to that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been interesting, uh, being a part of your life for the last uh, few years, but uh, as it relates to your faith and spirituality, it, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that, like, you, you obeyed the rules. You, you've proven your faithfulness and your loyalty. But uh, after some difficult experiences, it's kind of like, man, I don't, I don't trust you guys anymore. Yeah. And, I, and there's suspiciousness that come out. Want, share a little bit about that. Uh, I mean, that may, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I own that. Um, <laughs> I think it really goes back to my childhood. Like I was always looking for security, looking for somebody to come alongside me and give me guidance. So I found that, you know, in my church family and, and I was part of a subculture that was very black and white, that was very confident that they were always right. So I I kind of always felt confident. And then as you start to see the cracks in the system and you start to hear other sides and you see how other Christians worship or think, you sort of feel like you were misled. Um, and I think some of the mm-hmm. suspicion comes there or, or you just see misbehavior, you know, and people that you thought you could trust when the reality is you can't trust and any people person. who are saying they, that they have all the right answers and you should be doing what they're saying. Then you find, come to find out, no, they're not obeying the rules, right? even what they're, they're teaching themselves. So I can see where I had blind loyalty and it felt safe and secure. Um, I think that I struggle less with blind loyalty, but I probably do struggle more with trusting people, which I think is a common theme for a lot of people in the church right now. We'll be back after a quick break. 
Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Yeah. Sure. Well, Abby, what about you? So Beth had talked about this being a spectrum and uh, you experience yourself both as phobic and counterphobic, but um, it, it's in relation to your family of origin versus the family that you and your husband have, have brought forth. Yeah. So um, with my family, I mean, I think all sixes to some degree have to have some sort of experience with, uh, I guess, neglect and stuff growing up. Um, so that was definitely a prevalent theme in my life. And it wasn't, you know, there's nothing I can't, I'm not like putting anything on my parents or family or anything. We had very complex family system, um, which, you know, fed into all of that. Um, but that aside, um, when it comes to my family, I definitely struggle. Like I want to be accepted and I want to be, you know, feel loved. And I want so desperately to, um, feel secure and like it is not, um, a love based on a need, but a love that is unconditional. Um, and so, so with my family, I, when things hit the fan, I just hit the roof, um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to unwind from that. It's taken lots of years and like prayer and not active therapy, but I've, I've, I was a social scientist major in, in school and I was, um, did social work um, as the first part of my career. And so it's taken a lot of healing to, to kind of come to terms with that and re- recognize it and, and learn how to address it in a day-to-day basis. Whereas my family, my friends, you know, I definitely cling to people as far as like, you know, I have a, what I call a surrogate family that they might not claim me as their surrogate child, but I've claimed them. Um, and you know, it's a very common sixth yeah, thing, oh yeah. by the way. Um, and I, I'm so comfortable with them. You know, I don't, I never have, I just don't deal with those same anxieties as I do with my personal family of origin. Mm-hmm. So. Sure. Yeah. Well, and when you first came on board, one of our, um, team members who knew you from before as a friend thought you were an eight. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, yeah. And so tell us, you know, what, what was she seeing that's different than what your family of origin 
really kind of experience? Sure. Probably confidence, um, comfortability. So when I'm comfortable, I definitely, I'm, I'm more relaxed and just able to be like, enjoy people and allow people to enjoy me for me, as opposed to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of always feeling like I'm on eggshells and having to impress for the sake of acceptance. Um, so because I, we had this mutual acceptance generated between us, it just, it's just comfort comfortable. And so I'm able to, you know, be sarcastic and kind of make fun of her. And, you know, when she pushes me, I push back and, you know, it's, it's just mm-hmm. comfort. And you probably have a lot more strength that is being shown sure, 100%. in front of her than some other people. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's, that's helpful for people to hear because like I said, sixes are on this spectrum. And so that's why I, it, and I would say majority of the things that are written about sixes fall into the phobic and somewhere in the middle, there's less written about the counterphobic sixes, but, and so people always want to hear more about the, the counterphobic six and what that looks like. And I, and I do appreciate that. But one thing I want to just let everyone realize is that it's all about the core motivations. Now, how it's expressed when they get activated may look different. So all of the material that we produce at your Enneagram coach, I'm married to a counterphobic six and it all resonates with him for the most part. So just realize that we're, we're always trying to focus on the underlying core motivations and that's going to really help you out. Now, Robert, for you, you land much more on the counterphobic side. Why don't you explain what that looks like and, and where it, it, its roots come from um, so people can really kind of understand more of that counterphobic aspect? Yeah, I think like a lot of counterphobic sixes, when I was initially being typed, I thought I was an eight, but I was really sad about it um, because I didn't want to be, you know, you read all the, the behavior of an eight um, and from my perspective, I thought, oh, people must, people must experience me as a jerk or they must experience me as a bully or they, and it, so it made me very sad to think that I was an eight because a lot of the external behaviors I resonated with. Um, but then as Jeff and I, and, and worked with Beth some to real, to get deeper, you know, we discovered this, the counterphobic six, and it really got to the heart of um, a lot of my external behavior of being very strong and confident and decisive and drawing hard lines in the sand and not giving in and not backing down comes from me wanting to protect myself because my, my childhood story is no one's going to protect you. So if, if you want to be taken care of, you better get strong real quick. And so Mm -hmm. that's, that's part of my story is this, the world is bad. Nobody is, nobody is going to treat you the way that they should. And it's all up to you. And so every, every situation and corner, I'm looking for the other shoe to drop. I'm looking for the angle that somebody's working. And I, you know, my, my mindset is the best defense is a good offense. You know, like I'll, before you can hurt me, ha, I'll hurt you, you know? And then I wonder why I struggle to maintain friendships, you know, (laughs) things like that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's very much centered in a, um, you know, like a, a dog that's been traumatized before. And then you, you can't trust to be around that dog necessarily because they'll, they will respond disproportionately to, you know, somebody knocking on the door or something like that. But it's because in my mind, I didn't just hear a knock on the door. I heard somebody barging through and harming me or harming my family. So I'm responding to something that's at a 10 because that's what my backstory tells me is there. Um, 
So I look loud and aggressive and angry and everybody in the else in the room is going, Whoa, where, where's, what's that coming from? But in my head, it's the most logical thing that I could possibly do. It's like, y'all don't understand, like something horrible is about to happen and I've got to be prepared to save us. Yeah. Well, and I remember I came over to your, or Jeff and I came over to your house not too long ago and you tell us about Lou, first of all, like what kind of dog is she and how big is she now? Okay. Yeah. So I went through about a a two-year process of researching dogs. And I have a Borble, which is a South African Mastiff. Um, and so she's just over a year old and is 130 pounds. And this, this is a dog that was bred in South Africa to defend farmlands from baboons and leopards and lions. And it's like, you know, it's the most athletic Mastiff breed. So massive deep bellowing bark. Yeah. Your previous dog was a pit bull, but you got this one because insurance is, doesn't look highly on. That's right. So I was looking for a loophole. My, my homeowner's insurance wouldn't allow the most common guardian breeds. So I found a super <laughs> rare one that, that broke the loophole. So it's another way that I was not, I didn't care what the yeah. rules were. Um, so yeah, I got this, this massive dog that is, you know, bred for, for that purpose. The funny thing is though, she is, um, skittish and nervous and terrified of everything. Like when I change the trash bag and I shake the, you know, the new trash bag, she takes mm -hmm. off running. And, um, you know, if, if one of my sons leaves a toy out in the driveway in a different place and she and I go out at night, you know, to go for her to go to the restroom before we go in, she's like, what's that? It's like, Oh, it's a scooter, you know, just laying in the driveway. And so it's, I, I have this 130 yeah. pound personification. of me. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I laugh at myself because I see that's what I do all the time. It's like, you know, oh, I got, uh, you know, or Jeff just texted me randomly to say, hey, do you have a minute to talk? And my heart goes, see, you're getting fired. You better come up with some reasons why he's wrong. And he just wants to talk about something he read, you know, something like that. That's what I, I see my dog do in my own heart. And so the Lord's kindness, he sort of gave me a little caricature to laugh at myself about. Exactly. Because when we walked up, you know, he was, our Lou was barking at us and, and you know, it was nothing no, for, I didn't think it was like a big deal, but you know, you're kind of, it's a big dog. So you're like, eh, I think it's okay. Cause Robert's here and I'm sure it's okay. And Katie goes, Oh, don't worry. He's just like Robert. He has a big bark, but he's super soft inside. <laughs> and so I was just laughing, but yeah. So, and I think that's a great example of what we're talking about with the phobic and the counterphobic. Um, and so the counterphobics are the ones that are probably the most misunderstood. And a lot of people get mistyped as type eights. Um, the biggest difference is eights are very confident. They have a gut sense of immediately of what needs to happen and they move confidently in that direction. Um, they're not necessarily looking to listen to anyone else. They, they've got their gut. That's it. The sixes, on the other hand, remember, they have this internal committee that's chiming in that creates self-doubt. And so they look outside themselves for guidance and support. Um, so you want to move on to the next topic? Yeah, that sounds great. Well, one of the things that comes up for sixes um, is uh, cynicism and wondering who, who in the world can be trusted or anticipating negative things, uh, negative outcomes or consequences. Uh, how do you all experience cynicism? I don't think I'm a cynic. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was getting ready to say. I said that it's, not it's just reality. Yeah. Well, it's also a cynic is someone without hope, right? And I don't see myself as someone without hope, or I wouldn't play Publishers Clearinghouse every month, right? So I must have some hope. <laughs> and, and if it's sure. without hope, then any number could be cynic. 
Yeah. Well, I think it goes along with the same wording of pessimist. Like a lot of people will lump sixes into the pessimistic category, but all sixes that I know are like, I'm not pessimistic, I'm realistic. And, you know, I mean, they're all shaking their heads right now. Like, yes, that's exactly right. Um, And, you know, I think that's interesting for everyone else to hear, especially those that are kind of more on the optimistic spectrum of the Enneagram. The sixes don't see them as pessimistic. They see them as seeing reality. I I almost, whenever I'm around optimist, I almost become more pessimistic. Okay. I am not, I'm not right. Like you, one, I've already written you off. Like there's, yeah, there's something wrong with you. You are clearly not in reality. There's something. (laughs) something You're not seeing reality. And so I I just opt out or I just, I'll get provocative with them. Um, Well, the, the next one is, uh, is sarcasm. Uh, Sixes have a witty humor. Yes. That can also be sarcastic. How does sarcasm show up in your life? I always used to say that sarcasm was my love language, that you could tell who I cared about based on who I was making fun of and being sarcastic with. That if I if I never joked with you, if I never poked fun, that that was the greatest indicator that I didn't like you or I didn't care about you. But if I'll make fun of you and like bust you over something, that's me saying like, hey, let's play. Like, here's my, it was like a bid for uh, camaraderie or fellowship. But sure. if I never messed with you, that was like the telltale sign that I didn't like you. Like, who is it in your life that uh, does not like your sarcasm? Oh, my wife. She hates it. I was just going to say, she's a nine. (laughs) I was like, how does Katie respond to this? Because I can tell you as a nine myself, I don't really love that. Actually, I hate it. It's like she's, uh, you know, she hates conflict and I'm a walking conflict creator. You know, I point out everything that's wrong and make a joke about it and it just disturbs her world. Lydia, how does your husband respond to your sarcasm? Uh, I think he's gotten used to it over the years. <laughs> he's definitely he's a three, so he's not as sarcastic. Um, yeah, and he, he he's a very principled three, and so sometimes I'm sure it can come back as that's inappropriate. Oh, for sure. Yeah, sometimes I'll get you know a lecture. <laughs> a lecture sure. Well, Beth was groomed by a type six mom who was always appropriate, mm-hmm. uh, follow the rules. And so when we got married, I mean, I would have dinners with their family and I mean, their jaws are dropping, their eyes are wide open. Cause Provocative, I'm sarcastic, funny. comments that would, you would never say in her family. Yes. Now, uh, Abby, have any of your kids picked up on your sarcasm? Oh yeah. All of them all of them without a doubt. Like my (laughs) oldest is nine turning 10, but she has been a 30 year old version of me since she was about three. It's insane. (laughs) Um, Yeah. My husband's not a fan. um, So I've probably toned down a little bit through the years with him specifically, just out of my love for him. And and what type is he? He's a nine. (laughs) Yeah, nines have a hard time with sarcasm, especially because it's like, well, did that hurt someone? Because we want everyone to be happy and okay. And what if that hurts someone? Well, that kind of hurt my feelings. Or did they mean to hurt my feelings? I don't know. What should I think? So it, it's a very different world for us. Well, Abby, uh, not only has your sarcasm impacted your family now, it's a generational gift that you're giving. I think the Bible yeah. says that they're they're passed down to a thousand generations, 100%, right? 100%, <laughs> yeah. 
100%. But um, you have an interesting story about sarcasm and one of your professors. Yeah, so I went to a uh, Bible school in Santa Cruz, California. And again, I I was a social science major, and it was actually um, one of our psychology professors who, of course, as a social science major, like, this is an important, influential person in my life. Um, And she had a chapel service that was hers and like she used the entire chapel service to completely denounce sarcasm as like not just like a sin but like the evil sin of relationships Mm -hmm. and how just incredibly um destructive it is in all forms and just unredeemable almost um and for me hearing that um, it, it, it hit, it hit really hard because I was like, how do I speak? Hmm. <laughs> well, then what do you want me to say then? I don't how know do how we else have, to yeah, how do we have conversations? <laughs> I, 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 it just, it, it couldn't compute for me. It was really, really, it was a tough pill to try to swallow. Um, and thankfully I think I was a little bit resilient enough to not swallow it. Um, but it took a lot of processing for me to um, to make that stance. And it was hard because, you know, I'm I'm loyal to you. You are an influence, an influencer in my life. And to rebound from that was it, it took a little bit of time. Sure, uh, yeah. sure. Um, well, one of the things that, uh, that we've done here recently is that, uh, or I should say Beth has done uh, a majority of work on this, is creating some new names for all the nine types. Uh, and Beth, why don't you tell us where you landed for type sixes? Yeah, so we landed on Faithful Guardian. Um, we, there's a lot of different wonderful names that you could use for sixes, but we all kind of felt that Faithful Guardian really captured the essence of, uh, the type six. So, uh, Lydia and, um, Abby, tell us, you know, what your thoughts are about that name, Faithful Guardian. How does that represent you? Well, I originally suggested dutiful, if you remember, (laughs) um, because the word duty really lands on me. But if I can think back to like my most stressful times, I would actually picture myself with the word duty tattooed on my forehead, like literally picture it. So when you brought up, Hey, that might not be a positive word. I was like, Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) So I like, (laughs) yeah. Cause we were wanting, we were wanting to represent all the nine types with some sort of positive direction. Um, Because a lot of times some of the words that, different teachers use can land on the type in a negative way. Um, I remember uh, eights were being referred to as bosses. Yeah. Well, and also ones, you know, we've been using Catherine Faber's names for a long time and now we're switching to our own and she uses moral perfectionist. And a lot of people use perfectionist for the one we're now switching it to uh, principled reformer because the word perfectionist lands on type ones a lot of times in a negative way uh, versus the the idea of reforming, you know, making better. Well, one of the things about uh, the idea of faithfulness is that even though I may not appear to be dutiful, I am faithful. Even like Robert and I think Abby was even sharing regarding sarcasm. If, if I don't, if I'm not committed to the relationship, like I, I'm not going to play around with you. 
Um, and so it's almost, it, it is like a, a love language of sorts, although perhaps warped and um, <laughs> misunderstood at times. I, I'm still very committed to people, even whenever I'm being the most provocative. Well, and also faithful wraps itself around loyalty and commitment. Mm-hmm. And then the guardian really shows the the desire to protect those that they are loyal to, those that they're faithful to, and thinking through all of the possible outcomes, especially negative outcomes, and how can we keep those at bay? How do we avert disaster for not just myself, but those that I really care about? Now, one of the things, and, and I know this, I don't, Beth's never shared this with the team, and uh, but she shares it with me. And, per- sitting, and predominantly about me. I'm sitting here going, uh-oh, what's he but, about to say? Um, I, I, and I think this is, the, I've even heard you say this about Robert, is that sometimes it is hard for you to read us type sixes. Sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> Often. And so, I, okay, so I, tell the, us about that, because I, I mean, we don't have anyone else here who's not a six. and so The gift how, of a nine one of our superpowers is reading people, whether for good or bad. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You you like that? Because the whole point of the nine is to make everyone happy. So for survival, I need to know how you're doing. And if I can't read how you're doing, whether positive or negative, usually what people do, not just nines, is that if they can't read you, it goes in the the mind is a negative, whether slightly negative or very negative, or are they okay? Are they upset? Like what's going on? And for you, you have a very stoic face when you're thinking and, and you're in the thinking triad. So you think a lot. So a lot of times it's like, is he okay? Is he upset? Is he mad? And then I'm like, are you okay? Oh yeah, I'm great. I'm just like thinking about this, this and that. And I'm like, man, I did not see that at all. So Abby and Lydia, do, do your spouses or family members have a hard time reading you? So for me, I know... I've had, and I think that's probably in part why people jump to eight for me. Um, Cause it wasn't just one friend. It was multiple friends who were like, you're definitely a type eight. And I was like, I'm not. And maybe me saying that I'm not and being so firm about it made them think all the more that I must've been. Um, but like for me, I get all the time that I am uh, intimidating, like from people who have never engaged in conversation with me, they just look at me apparently and I intimidate. So I don't know where that comes from or why, because, um, you know, I do, I feel like I'm very mushy on the inside. It's just, you know, maybe I'm thinking, maybe I have a horrible, you know, resting face. Apparently I don't know. Um, yeah. That's hilarious. Well, and I, and, and it's true. I mean, the sixes are in the head center and so they're constantly thinking. And I remember talking to my mom about this once I can literally drive from like, let's say here to St. Louis and it's a five hour drive and I'll get there. And I'm like, well, did, did I even think about anything? Like I'm, I literally, my brain just kind of goes offline and like, I don't even know what's going on. I'm just in some sort of world. And she's like, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. I can't stop thinking. It's just flywheel all the time. And so I I want people to recognize that about sixes because that is a blessing and it's also really hard on sixes. It's not like they can just, you know, put it to rest. Um, And so uh, Lydia, what about you? Like, do you have people that kind of misunderstand, you know, you, you know, maybe because you're in that thinking mode? Um, I mean, I don't know for sure. My husband's a three, so he's very busy. He doesn't, 
he doesn't have a lot of time to wonder about what mm-hmm. I'm thinking he about. He has his own, his own project. <laughs> oh, <that's so> funny. <laughs> and it probably works out well for us because we don't tend to step on each other's toes. We're both very A type, you know, get things done and, and have our own projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can see why people wouldn't be able to read me because I don't really know myself. Like, if you asked how I felt, I'd be like, I don't know. Like, I haven't decided. I mean, so if I can't read myself, mm-hmm. how are you going to read me, right? That's a good point. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, do, whenever, um, so Danny and Lydia did our some of our Becoming Us Live uh, videos, and the one that we show uh, at the event is them talking about conflict and Danny gets animated and passionate, but it sounds like Lydia, you kind of stay fairly confined, even keel. What's the right thing to do? And we do the next right thing. Right. Um, How does, how does Danny experience that part, that the absence of affect? um, Well, he came from a family that was more, had more turmoil. So I think he actually appreciates it. I'm pretty predictable. I don't like to argue. Um, we yeah. don't fight very often. I don't, I don't know the reason why we just choose, I guess not to, <laughs> or we just get along really well. Um, but he's definitely more, mm-hmm. he's more motivated to act quickly. And I, I want to think a little bit more about it, but then once I've decided, then yeah, let's both act yeah. quickly yeah. together. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, Robert, he had to step away for just a second, but you know, Robert, I think is the same way. You know, we know, like you were saying, Abby, how mushy he is inside, like his tender heart and um, his care uh, for us. But a lot of times we'll tell like new teammates, Hey, he might look really like tough and strong on the outside, but he is like a soft teddy bear and he is going to be all for you. And, and I know that that is something that, that he has had too. And I think the more counterphobic you are, the more people are going to struggle with, with wondering where is that type six coming from? Whereas the more phobic sixes, like you were saying earlier, Lydia, they're trying to put off a lot of warmth and likability and charm, not from a pretentious, sixes are very authentic, um, but they're going to give a lot more warmth because that to them, they believe that's going to bring some security and reciprocation of loyalty uh, from others. Yeah, go ahead, Abby. I was just going to say real quick, um, and maybe this is more of my counterphobic part. I don't know if I can credit this to a six at all, Beth. Maybe you could give a little bit of clarity there. But um, but when I find that people, like when I can tell that somebody can't, can't read me, I make a point to make it harder to read me just because they think it's fun. <laughs> Like it gives me a little bit of inside hysterical (laughs) to see people like, you know, question what is going on with that person right now. Yeah. It it is funny with my kids. If they're having trouble reading me, uh, I I can just kind of zone out and have this look about me and it really, really bothers them (laughs) because they're trying to figure out, is he joking? Is he, what what is he doing? And then they look at me and I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Ask him. No. uh, Yeah. And I think that that's, um, that is very six like, I'm not saying that there aren't any other types that would do that, but sixes are very provocative. Uh, they like to poke and see like, who's going to be, who's going to stick with me if I, if I'm provocative or if I poke at you in a certain way, like, what are you going to do with that? Um, and so they're kind of, uh, testing loyalties. Um, now, whether you're doing that exactly in that moment or you're being a little sarcastic and provocative, it kind of all kind of falls under that same area. Well, um, what would uh, do you all, um, what would, what's one thing that you would like for people to know about a six that maybe they misunderstand or don't know? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I would want them to know that my interior world is very tender and for them. Like I, my, I want to draw near to them. And so though my strength may be provocative at times and it may be too much to handle or abrasive that it is me trying to draw closer to them. Mm, That's great. Very good. Um, I would say, and this might be coming from the perspective of having three young children, um, just always like I feel like sixes always feel like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders and they're always trying to be responsible and they're trying to really think for everyone especially if you have a family you know trying to keep everybody safe and trying to figure out the best methods Mm. for everyone and it's just it's mentally exhausting um so I would say Mm. if you have a six in your life try to take some responsibility off their plate maybe or um try to like I am a phobic six, but I still feel like I'm always in control of things because I'm the one that's thinking it through and organized, you know, just having someone come in and like plan yeah. the yeah, day. Responsibility is a big just, part big. of being, being a six. Responsible, dutiful. Never met a re- uh, situation where I'm not responsible for Man, it. my mom was awesome. So, you know, being the nine child, I'd be, like I said, I'd check out, be kind of flighty, forget things. But man, I knew my mom would have my back. Like she would remind me of all the things that like... I would be forgetting that are really important. And, you know, there was part of me that was like bummed out. I mean, I learned a lot how to do that better. Um, But I think that's one quality I always really admired about my mom is her faithful steadiness, responsibility, duty, um, and how she really will think through all the ways the family needs to, you know, the the things that need to come together to make the family run. Um, That was such a gift that we had. Abby, did you have anything that you think, you'd like for people to know about sixes? I would just say if if you feel like a six has overreacted to you, like it's being super, super abrasive, chances are that comes from a place of just fear of insecurity, fear of, you know, um, not being stable in their placement with you. And it's more out of love. <laughs> as horrible and... <laughs> And warped as that sounds, it, it comes it comes from this, I love you so much, like what is going on right now um, than, than, um, than anything. If, if a six underreacts to you, that's when you might want to be a little concerned. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you say that, Abby. Um, early on when we started sharing our what we've been studying with the Enneagram, it was at our, a church that we were serving at, uh, I was a pastor of ministries, and Beth was um, the administrator. And on Monday morning, when we would have staff meetings, our, our lead pastor was a four. And I would come in with, here are things that went wrong yesterday and how things that I want to work on this week. And it would just totally like a punch in the gut to our lead pastor. Like he's trying to get over all of the uh, conversations that he had and, and whether real or not real in his head about people responding to a sermon, the last thing he wanted to hear is that there were more problems. Whereas for but you... in my heart, I'm proving my faithfulness yes. to this organization. And if if I didn't care, I would him. just... 
That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And offering my best. <laughs> and we were totally missing one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so eventually it became like Beth would look at me once. She'd say I needed to open my eyes and smile more. Raise your eyebrows because um, he would have a stoic face. You couldn't right. read him. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there, was, there were things to talk about on Monday and there are things to talk about on Thursday. Well, and, and we understood each other all of us, the four of us better. And a lot of times the senior pastor would say, Hey, I'm sure you've got some really great things that we need to tackle this week and be mindful of. But for some reason, I'm, I'm just in my stuff. And can we put those off till Wednesday, you know, give me some extra time. And it was great because it, 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 helped the team to realize, hey, Jeff, you're bringing something valuable to the table, but I just right now cannot enter that space with you in a way that honors what you're doing. And it was, it was great, you know, and then we could care for him or pray for him or whatever was going on. And that was a really helpful thing. Well, thank you both for uh, being on the show and uh, sharing about the inner workings of a type six world. Yes. Um, we love sixes and we yes. love what they bring to their relationships and to their community. So, so thankful uh, to have you all on our team. Is there any last um, things you guys Thanks like so to much, share? Jeff and Beth, for letting me be on the show, uh, for letting me be a part of the team. And uh, obviously we've been blessed so much by just being a part of your lives. So super thankful for you and your work. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. I would just say, just thank you. Um, this, is, this is cool to be a part of this experience on this side of it. Because I usually I usually help out on the um, when when all this stuff is all set as far as letting it go out. Um, so this is you know thanks for that. Lydia, did you have any last words? No, I guess I do. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I just want to say thank you for hiring so many sixes. Yeah, <laughs> we do have a lot of sixes. I've never met a six I don't like. That's <laughs> we awesome. Have to be really understanding those. It is interesting. And I always know we're going to be ahead of schedule, right? Sure. Yep. And I like to work ahead of schedule. It's yes. interesting. So it, we we do have some patterns. Like when, when we know a position that's going to need to get a lot of things done, we've hired sixes. But when it comes to like bigger decisions, oftentimes we, we look towards eights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think what's great is that sixes and a lot of the other types, you know, depending on their strengths, are great brainstorming, troubleshooting, thinking of all that might happen, being ready for the all the contingencies. And then the eights, you know, hear all of that, or, or the eights on our team, they hear that and they listen. It's so great watching them listen to everything. And then they give a confident, decisive, hey, I think we should go in this direction. Now, the great thing is they're still open for extra mm-hmm. feedback and stuff. But it's really cool to kind of see that team work. And then we're like, yeah, okay, we've landed on that. Let's go. Yeah. Um, but but then it's also great when the six or the eight realizes, hey, the six is on the team. They have kind of their eyes everywhere. And so I need to be mindful and be listening to them. It's really just, you know, just having the different Enneagram types that are healthy, wanting to be there for one another, just seeing all the different gifts come out is fabulous. But yes, we have many sixes on our team and it is such a joy. So thanks guys. And thanks everyone for joining us on this podcast where we can really highlight the vast array of our beautiful sixes from all the way from phobic, all the way through the spectrum of counterphobic. Always remember the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder because it's the gospel that transforms us. Thanks everyone for joining us today. 